Hi, this is Perry Marshall, author of Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, 8020 Sales and Marketing, and Evolution 2.0. And Dove Barron has unusually great conversations about deep topics on his show. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation that we just had. And I hope you'll tune in. Do you, do you know who Dr. Suzanne Gilder is? No. Dr. Suzanne Gilder, she, um, when you're talking about the AI world, <clears throat> she is, um, she's building synths. So synthetic life forms. And she's talking about, we, we're looking to get her on the show. Um, she's talking about the ethical rights of synths. When we create synthetic life forms, because what she's looking to do, she's actually built a synthetic model of herself and her work is on, on parallel consciousness. So moving her consciousness from here to there. Oh, right. to synth. And then talking about the, the quote, you know, we think of as human rights, but the synth rights. You know, it's, it's fascinating work. She's an, actually an English girl out of Vancouver. Fascinating work because of this, you know, you know we, she's talking about, well, you know, we think about sex rights, uh, about, about sex robots. Uh, which we now have, there, there's one in uh, Texas, there's, a, there's a, te a, a sex robot brothel in Texas, and I believe there's one opening in Canada. Um, and, and she's talking about, well, you know, do they have rights? And it's a fascinating subject that people don't want to go near. And, and you can go, well, that's a ridiculous argument. Well, is it? I think every ridiculous argument should be at least examined because maybe the reason it's ridiculous is exactly what you said before, is it's the context of the lens we're looking through. It's not the context of, that will be real in five years, in five minutes, or in 500 years. Well, you know, the, the Western idea of rights mm -hmm. comes from an axiom, and the axiom is the assumption that humans have a soul. It's true. Okay. And I, I mean, I've thought about this a lot. Um, you know, we have, we have this statement in the Declaration of Independence in the United States, which now the rest of the world is imitated. We hold these things to be self-evident that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And um, in the 1800s, Alexis de Tocqueville said, well, where did they get that idea? And he goes, well, they got it from Jesus and St. Paul. St. Paul said, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, all are equal in Christ Jesus. And then if you, if you go to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, in the kingdom of God, the, the first will be last and the last will be first. And, he's, and, and those who want to be greatest in the kingdom of God must be your servants. Well, I regard the Sermon on the Mount and Paul's statement about equality as the original counter-Darwinian manifesto. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. So, and, and bec because I'm an entrepreneur, like I haven't even said anything about this, but I really need to say this. My experience in Google advertising, Facebook advertising, hundreds of industries, entrepreneurship, 
I understand evolution really, really well because I've watched the struggle to survive in natural selection in business. Business and biology are the same thing. They're just played out at a different level, but they are exactly the same. And, you know, 20% of the people get 80% of the money and 20% of the rabbits produce 80% of the rabbit, rabbit population is exactly the same. It's all ecosystems and it's all competition and it's all based on digital code. Okay. So I've been watching this for a long time and we have, there is a fundamental struggle in society and here's what it is. This, these are two totally bottom of the swamp issues, okay? Fantastic. We have the meritocracy of evolution. Okay, the struggle for the best to prevail, the best ideas, the best people, the, be the most money, the most successful corporation, the best iPhone, the best poetry, the best music, the best jazz, the best movies, right? Whatever, okay? All right. I call that evolution alpha. Mm -hmm. That's what I call it. Okay. Now there's another kind of evolution. And, and let me give you an example of it. A truly evolved society would somehow figure out how to provide affordable health care to everyone. That's <laughs> very true. Okay. Yeah. Now, and I agree. Like, I don't know how we do it. I, that's a whole nother conversation. Really but we can all agree that would be great. Right? And, and we have this idea that all people, regardless of income or IQ or whatever, are created equal and have equal rights and are endowed by their creator. Okay? I call that evolution omega okay okay evolution alpha evolution omega alpha. evolution alpha is the meritocracy evolution omega is equality and human rights yes i i gave an 80 20 talk yesterday to a bunch of master's students at notre dame uh, um and somebody um somebody said oh well if we essentially she goes well if we follow 80 20 to its natural conclusion we'll have this horrible tyranny i said that's right <laughs> yes that yes i said if we follow evolution alpha to its natural conclusion if there's an 88-year-old lady with Parkinson's disease in the hospital, what we will do is we will push her hospital bed into the parking lot and unplug all of the tubes and let her die, and we'll use the money for something more useful. Yep. But, but human civilization is about doing the opposite. It's about taking care of grandma. It's about human rights. It's about having safety nets. It's about social security and welfare and churches and charity and generosity and giving to the poor, which is Sermon on the Mount, which is the 
counter-Darwinian manifesto. And what we have to do in the real world is we have to figure out how to work with both mm-hmm. because you can't kill either one, right? If you, if you kill evolution alpha, there is no money and there are no resources because there is no competence. You'll get Marxism and, and all that disaster, okay? So you can't do that. Uh, okay, but but you can't kill equality either, or like or we end up killing grandma because she's not a productive wage earning member of society, right? And 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 then and it never ends because then we'll be killing children, we'll be killing babies. That's, and- that's I mean, now we're in a now we're in a very a, a very interesting. I mean, you know, you and I can go again go off on this for a couple of hours, but this is the this is the moral argument. And, and um, you know, I think that, you know, in the work that I do with companies, um, you know, I say you cannot survive as an organization if you're not profitable, but you cannot be profitable if you don't take care of your people. That's the same in 80-20. Like we can't throw out, well, you know, we're going to turn into a Marxist corporation, um, which would, you know, which would make everybody equal. And at the same time, we can't be totalitarian uh, uh, from a place of profit uh, and throw people under the bus, you know, and turn them into slave labor, you know. Uh, why? Well, because we've tried both. And it just, if you look in history, you can see we've tried both. You know, there's only one place in the world, people don't know this because they don't read their history, there's only one place in the world where Marxism worked. It did work, and it worked in one place and one place only, and it didn't last. But it did work. And that was in the kibbutz in Israel. The kibbutz mm. in Israel was a Marxist system. It was run like a Marxist system. It was run like an African village. All the people of the community took care of each other's kids. They worked for the community, did that. But it didn't last. Why? Because human beings are competitive. We want to. We want to. And it was a wonderful system because it made the lazy person work a little bit, but it also held back the person who was entrepreneurial and all those kinds of things. So that doesn't right. work. On the other, you know, and we've uh, the 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 extreme version of it, of course, is is Maoism and is you know and is what is Stalin and Lenin and all that, and you you still get the same problem, which is there are corrupt bastards who are now taking their competition and turned it into how can I now be corrupt? Okay, that's on that side. On the other side of it, you have the Monsanto, you know, the evil corporation versions of. Of, uh, of capitalism, neither of those things are the solution. And, and as the Buddha said, it is always the middle path. But we human beings are terrible at the, at the middle path. We are always, we, our mind, and this is for everybody to consider for a moment, our minds run in polarity. This yes. is where we must always, always push to breach our own bias. The mind works in polarity. You know, I dated good guys, but none of them have got a spine. So I'm dating assholes. Well, guess what? He's an asshole. And you're surprised? <laughs> now I'm going to date a nice guy. But he's a boring tool. Yeah, because it's not either side. You know, I'm a fundamentalist Christian, and I've got to make everybody into a fundamentalist Christian. Or I'm going to be the other way, which you talked about with your brother, which is now I'm evangelical for atheism. It's the same thing. Heads and tails are the same coin. Where you know what, Brian, in the middle. 
you know what Brian said to me about five years ago? He goes, Perry, thank you for not letting me become an atheist. <laughs> it was like, I couldn't make him stay being a Christian, but I, I could at least like, hey, you know, you you realize that those guys are just a different version of you. It's like zealot, like um, addicted to exact answers, doctrines, you know, all of that, right? And and uh, you're right. People people hate that uncertainty. They love polarity. You would be interested in an ODUV that the group of scientists that I am most closely aligned with call themselves the third way. Oh, I like that. And there, there's a website called the third way of evolution.com. And um, it was founded by Dennis Noble, who's one of my prize judges. And it is a group of about 60 scientists and many of them are absolutely world-class. You know, they're at University of Chicago, they're at Oxford, they're at, you know, all these places. And the statement they've made is, we do not buy the traditional Darwinian account of origins. And we're also not creationists. <laughs> we, we believe that nature, essentially they're saying that nature has um, its own intelligence in its own self-organizational um, behavior and that everybody's essentially arguing about the wrong things. Um, and, and, and I align with those guys because I think that's exactly right. Um, I believe in God, but I do not believe that God is in competition with nature. I think what the what the the fundamentalist christians and the fundamentalist atheists have both agreed on is that god and nature are at war with each other it's like it's either god or it's nature it's like no and so if you want to summarize evolution 2.0 in two sentences it's darwinists underestimate nature creationists underestimate god <laughs> each side has shortchanged itself each side has failed to take its own point of view seriously enough it's like each okay, side if, refused to dive into the swamp right right well it, I'm, it, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna water ski this pond well i'm gonna water ski this pond right well, how about you put the tanks on and dive down Exactly. It's, a, it, 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 it's actually very similar to Jordan Peterson saying, um, why are all these evolution guys bashing religion when it's obvious that religion has evolved in nearly every society that any anthropologist has ever discovered? Isn't it obvious that, uh, that religion is a necessary component of an evolutionary structure? Right? Has anybody noticed that the earliest cave paintings, like the ones in France from 100,000 years ago, are, as far as we can tell, they, they are depictions of the transcendent? Yeah. Isn't it interesting that, 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 that when you get to the highest, the most evolved creatures, the next question they're asking is, okay, so what's the transcendent level that 
we're reaching for and that caused us all to be here in the first place, of course that's what we're doing, right? So like the transcendent isn't a silly idea. It's, it's, it's the, it's the exact thing we're trying to figure out. Yeah. It's the mystery. Of course it exists. Right. And so, and so, um, but, but what this, this puts you in a place of vulnerability because you are always questioning your assumptions and so it's always terrifying. You're you're always confronted with the strangeness of God. Yeah. And <clears throat> I remember being a kid, being thrown out of my science class. <clears throat> mm. um, and I, you know, I loved science. But Mr. Kirshner was my science teacher, didn't like the question. And he was talking about, I mean, you know, I was probably... 11 or 12 and he was asking he was talking about big bang and i said yeah. where did that come from and he said well there was a bunch of gases and they get blah, blah, blah. i was like oh okay i sat there and he carried on and was, what, what was it where did the gases come from <laughs> hey get out of my class you're disrupting really class yeah i got through another class because, really yeah because i was asking questions that they couldn't answer and 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 I, my and I'll, I'll be very frank i actually haven't had this conversation certainly in front of the public available to it before which is well where does god come from right so it's yeah. and it's not that i'm looking to solve that yeah but i i have to be willing to ask that question because mm -hmm. i am deeply spiritual but I'm not religious at all, but I don't have a framework for God that fits with anybody else's that I've come across. And that's not saying it doesn't exist, but what I'm saying is I, I, can, I understand religion, I studied religion, I studied religious philosophy, I traveled the world to study these things, and I get it. I get it and I understand it, and I, and I was in my early 20s a big hater of religion, um, and I hate the control and manipulation of humans via religion. It infuriated me. It, it, it restricted thinking and, all, I, I just, and repression of women. Disagreed with it entirely. Now I understand it from a different place, which is men are basically animals. And if you want them to behave a bit better, give them a set of rules. Okay, I, I get that. Uh, manipulate them, control them. Well, not so much, but I get that part. However this deeper look when i did acid in my 20s and my early late 20s that was the question why would god if there's a god create us and i came to this piece which is and i actually did a uh, i did a uh, a video on it recently which i i talked about if, what if the creative force of the universe, call it whatever you want to call it, creates in order to understand its infinite self through a finite expression? Oh, I would agree with that. So I would totally agree with that. Yeah, so I, I understand me better when I write something out and I can ponder it. 
I understand me better when I paint the picture and I look at it and I see what was in my imagination. So what if God is this big version of that, uh, you know, th this creative force expressing itself and, and, and by that, not only expressing itself, but refining itself that God is. And so the old idea is that God is all that complete. And my theory, not the truth, it's just my theory. My theory is that God is evolving. If there is a creative consciousness in the universe that we are calling God, uh, from the German gut, right, good in the universe, that it is inquiring into itself, and it, like the corn, is also self-evolving. So the, the, the corn is a microcosm, uh, as a micro, the, the, the micro and macro of each other. And so as the corn can jump the gene and evolve itself, then what if the expression of this creative force in the universe, quote-unquote God, is doing the same by examining us? And so we're back to this now, back to this DNA idea, which is that now, which was an idea I played with when I was a little boy, which is what if I, um, and back in the days I thought it was atoms, but now I understand it's much more than that, but what if I am a cell or a micro cell in, in the body of this creative force called God? What if this universe is that, and that I, I am that DNA that is developing so that God, the creative force, can, can evolve itself, recognize itself, and evolve itself. It's like, I'm still playing with those ideas. Well, you know what? I have a podcast episode and a YouTube video called Why Christians Have Failed to Take the Problem of Evil Seriously. Hmm. Okay. And in that, in that episode, I talk about evolution alpha and evolution omega and how they're in tension with each other, right? Mm -hmm. the, the meritocracy is in tension with the spiritual equality, and we have to wrestle with it. And it's a very, very, very practical problem because one of your employees gets leukemia you have to decide, are you going to let him go? Or are you going to like, he, he, like, he can't come to work for the next six months. Are you going to keep paying him a salary or not? And, every, and everybody's going to have to make a sacrifice if you're going to keep him around, right? Mm -hmm. So like every, all of us have these kind of conundrums that we, we have to, it, it could hurt the business. If you, if you, it could, it could even put you out of business if he's a key person, right? See, so we have these problems. Well, I would really encourage you to listen to it. But what it, what it essentially said was, you can't have love if you don't have choice. I agree with that. And that requires free will. And of course, this is the classic argument for why there's evil in the world. But what I say is, we... Yeah, that's true, but it's like a trillion times more true than we've really realized. Because I don't think it's just humans that are free to make choices. I think all living things have some degree of agency and choice over what they do. Okay. Great. Now, an earth 
an earthworm may have 0.0001% as much choice and free will and awareness as you and I do. I, I don't really know, okay? But the world, love is only possible in an evolving world. And it's only possible in a self-aware world, okay? And in a sense, that is the logos. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not a mistake that the Greeks thought that was so incredibly important. It's not a mistake that the Christians thought that that was so incredibly important. It is the thing that defines our ability to, to make choices and make bargains with the future. Okay, and, and um, there, there's a, um, there's a, a Catholic priest who was kind of controversial named Teilhard de Jardine, and he 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 had a view of evolution very similar to mine, and um and I my evolution omega I stole the word omega from him because he had this term omega point, and it was the cosmos is trying to evolve to a point of convergence where every everything that is separate and competing with each other eventually becomes one again. Mm -hmm. And this, this was, this was his understanding of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I actually ag agree with you and, um, but we have to go through a process to get to evolution omega and it can't just be this poof if it was poof we would have no choice in the matter right and, and, and i so agree with that and vedanta hindu philosophy talks about that the path narrows until it can only hold one um and and i remember when i studied vedanta and i was in a relationship that i didn't really want to be in but i didn't have the balls to leave um and, and I remember, and, and I was always pontificating some spiritual bullshit that I thought I understood that I didn't at 23 years old. Um, but, uh, and then I learned this, you know, the, the path narrows until it can only hold one. And that gave me the, the excuse to leave my relationship. But what I didn't bother to study deeper into that piece was that it's, it is an hourglass that mm. we are born into a vast world and we get lost in that world and we have to break that down and narrow it down and pull ourselves away from all the things we're attached to that are the quote luxury of the comfort of the world, even to the family until eventually you shed all of that, including shedding the religious form that you know it in until you come to the one. And that's the oneness with yourself. And you sit there in the discomfort, in the great loneliness of life where you have questioned everything and only from and you have to sit there you can't just visit you have to sit there as long as it takes and people say well how long does it take i don't know because it's so subjective but you sit there until there's something that tr transforms and upon that transformation because the caterpillar no longer exists nor does the butterfly in it when it's in that morphic state it actually is nothing more than goo. It is simply goo. It becomes another being. People say, well, you know, doesn't the, the caterpillar become the butterfly? No, actually, there is another being. It's called, it's just mush. There's nothing there. It, it dissolves 
and becomes another creature. It's the one of the wonders of DNA. So this sitting in the one, then the other side of that is now the one becomes two and becomes a community and out into the world. And we've got to take that out into the world. And that, to me, to me, that is the act of love. That is the act of love. The act of love requires me to first be alone. And most people in relationships do not understand that, even close to understand that where they sit is in this place of, oh, I'm lonely, I need another person. No, no, you need to be and find you and you need to cancel everything you believe in order to get to what is true for you so that you can bring that to the world. That is the act of love, because in that act of love, the next level of that is that then nobody's wrong, because then I go, oh, I can see that you're on this journey. It's not better or not worse. It's not even more evolved or less evolved. You're on a journey. And at some point, you will have to sit with you or you won't, because as you just said, Perry, the actual truth of evolution is choice. It is choice. And, and this is part of the, the trap that people make around consciousness is they, they've done this craziness that human beings do, which is that we've made ourselves more conscious. And that is nothing more than consciousness snobbery, as I call it, spiritual snobbery. Right? <laughs> it's spiritual snobbery. Uh, if you think that you're more empathetic and more compassionate and more intelligent than a whale, a dolphin, or a gorilla... You just don't know what it's like to be in that context. Mm. And you're looking at it from this context and you go, well, whales don't write. Oh, so that's the measure of consciousness? That's ridiculous. That's your lens. So, th so this piece around us getting over our own bias, this piece around us, stop making ourselves into these spiritually evolved snobs that can look down on the Christian who doesn't understand, oh, those heathen Buddhists, those heathen Muslims, those heathen Hindus, or those, you know, those uh, whales. I mean, you know, they just make noise in the water. What do they know? Dolphins, come on, let their lunch. No, like, it makes me crazy. And, and it makes me crazy in a good way because it makes me wanna push further forward in saying, question deeper. That's why this show is about curiosity. Well, we covered a lot of territory there. We, you and I have covered a lot of territory. And the truth is that I think we could probably go for another four or five hours, but we won't because both of us have Again, just uh, back up. Seconds. and So the truth is that you and I can go for, on for a lot longer and, and there is so much more that we can dive into. And I, I know that our listeners, our viewers are going to love this because it is a fascinating conversation. And, and I think that we probably, a little bit later, a little bit further down the road, we're going to have to come back in and just pick this up again because there are so many places we can go. God forbid if you and I are ever in the same city because they'll <laughs> the city down. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic time. Listen, Perry, I have loved, loved, loved having you here. Thank you so much for your time, your commitment, your and for your curiosity in the world and what you brought here, because it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, I, I want to have people discover more about you uh, and about uh, Evolution 2.0 and about your price. Please tell our viewers, our listeners, where they can find out more about you. 
So if you go to evo2.org, evo2.org, you can click on the different links. You can subscribe to our podcast. You can read the book Evolution 2.0. You can get free chapters. You can get on our email list. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can go look at the technology prize, which is, um, uh, again, we announced at the Royal Society a few months ago. Um, and it's a very deep rabbit hole. And, and it, 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 it intersects with almost everything. And this is, this is such an important question. And if we don't get it right, we are poised to make some catastrophic mistakes. So I, I, I want to thank everybody for being here and listening. And I had so much fun. They, I, I love these questions. Like I, I, I loved how we didn't really have a script and you just kind of went with your gut on these things and what, what a great conversation. So yeah, we'll probably have some kind of a nuclear meltdown if we get together in person, but I guess we'll have to, we'll have to run the video while we're doing it. So with that, I'm going to sign off and we'll say goodbye. I hope you'll stay with us to the end, Perry. And to everyone here, thank you for tuning in. And I want to remind you to stay curious, my friends, stay curious about the distinction between science, evolution, creativity, and maybe those things are all not separated, but are actually joined in a third way, in the way down the middle. Till next time, this is Doug Barron. I hope your curiosity bites you.